So this is our uh, fourth message in the Thrive series, and I, I want to look today at one of the strangest parables or stories that Jesus gave on the topic of uh, money. And it's an awesome story where Jesus tries to get us to rethink our relationship with money. He wants to teach us what it means to be shrewd managers of our money. And then next week, Palm Sunday, uh, uh, that's the Sunday we're asking you to come with uh, a commitment to Thrive. We will celebrate the mission of Jesus and his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And as we do that, we'll celebrate the mission of Fort City as a part of what Jesus is doing in the world. It will be an awesome Sunday together. I mean, Palm Sunday always has just such a great feel to it. It's, it's always full of joy. I love Palm Sunday. And this Thrive campaign that we're in is not just about giving. It's also about growing and going. And after Easter, I've got a very simple message series called Grow. It's going to practically help us look at, work at, getting closer to God. The message series is going to help us actually experience God as we figure out how to allow him to reshape our lives uh, right now and forever. And we all want to grow. We all want to get closer to Jesus. We, we all want to be a better version of ourselves. And that's what we're going to look at and do after Easter. Now this week, I, this past week, I got a really encouraging text from one of you about this Thrive campaign and the Thrive message series, and maybe you'll find it as encouraging as I did. Um, this individual is newer to Fort City, is on the beginning of a journey of getting to know what it means to follow Jesus. Let me just read this to you. It's awesome. Thank you. Honestly, I've been struggling with money for a long time, and the past few weeks have shown me I have so much. It's my impulse for wanting more things that's enslaving me. I've been paycheck to paycheck my entire life. But after I gave, it's like my mindset had changed overnight and for the first time in my life, I'm carrying money over. I don't know how to explain it, but I just feel satisfied with what I have. Very grateful for the message that you've preached the last few weeks. Very excited to see what other things I can change in my life for the better and how I can draw closer to God. Thanks again, Doug. That's a pretty cool response from a newer, first-time giver. And with that as a background, I want to look at what is probably the most misunderstood story of Jesus in the entire Bible. It's a doozy, really. And I really like this story. It's in Luke 16. So if you want to follow along with it in your Bible on your phone or if you have one with you, and it'll be on the screen. But let me tell you why it's such a confusing story. In this story... Jesus appears to be approving of dishonesty. He's not. What he's doing is he's making an incredibly shrewdly dishonest man the hero. And he's doing it for the shock value. And I love what he does. Uh, Luke 16, follow along as I read. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, Now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg, and I kind of love. No strength to dig ditches. What a wuss. But anyways, just saying. Ah. I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? 
The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. Like, this is just going to be between you and me, right? The boss isn't going to hear about this. You understand? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than our children of the light. So you think about that. What is Jesus? What's he saying there, right? So this dishonest guy gets praised. But the story gets a little weirder. This is what Jesus says next. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. What? Am I supposed to buy my friends? Okay, there's a little more to this verse. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. We're, we're talking heaven here. We're talking eternity. Let's keep going. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? True riches. You know, that spiritual essence. That's the blessing that God pours into our lives. And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And this is where we get the context for these words. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And he does not say should not. He says, can't, it's impossible. You cannot serve both God and money. But let me just say this. Jesus is not praising this guy's dishonesty. He, he's praising this guy's brilliance, his, his shrewdness, and we'll unpack that in a minute. And here's something else that's probably good for us to see from this story. Friends, you don't have to agree with everything a, a person believes or does to learn from them. You can learn from a shrewd, crooked guy. Today, people think that because I disagree with you about something, then I can't learn anything from you, friends. That's just nonsense, okay? Uh, that's just thrown in as an extra in this message, just so you know. Anyways, so this guy is dishonest. You don't really want to learn from that part of him. But there are some things that he did right and some things that we can learn to do with our money. And I want to acknowledge Rick Warren at this point because I'm grabbing a few thoughts from him. Oh, maybe something else. Who is Jesus telling this story to? Ultimately, it's the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. They are an incredibly arrogant group, full of pride, self-righteous, judgmental, demeaning. I mean, they're just hypocrites. And Jesus knew that they loved money. And that's why he tells his shocking story and makes the crook the hero. Jesus was pushing the Pharisees' buttons, right? That's what he was doing, pushing buttons, okay? And this is their response as we keep reading in the story. When the Pharisees heard all this, they made fun of Jesus because they loved money. Jesus said to them, You are the ones who make yourselves look right in other people's sight, but God knows your heart. For the things that are considered of great value by people are worth nothing in God's sight. And it's that last phrase. 
for the things that are considered of great value by people are worth nothing in God's sight is one of the reasons for this Thrive series. God is calling us to submit our money to his lordship as he calls us to submit all of our lives to his lordship. Okay, I mean, what do most people think matters? Possessions, pleasure, power, popularity, sex, status, money, those kinds of things. God says, hey, those kinds of things don't really matter. They're, they're not the important things of life. So Jesus wants to challenge people who love me to rethink their relationship with money. And the other reason Jesus tells the story is because most people, most believers are poor money managers. Many of you are not great, if we're honest, at money management. You, you have no emergency savings. You have inadequate funds saved for retirement. You're living from paycheck to paycheck. In fact, many of you are living beyond your means. You're in debt. And Jesus has a few things to say about all of this. And we're going to start with some of the things not to do with your money, according to Jesus. The don'ts, according to Jesus. Let me just lead off. Number one, don't waste money. The manager was accused of wasting his employer's money. You've heard this over and over in this series. It's not ours, it's God's. And the manager in this story is God. And if we call Jesus Lord, we don't want to waste his money. Number two, don't love money. Don't love it or live for it. Jesus is clear. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Friends, it is impossible to live with divided allegiances. Try working for two bosses at the same time. It's not fun. It doesn't work. Hey, this is a hard issue. God wants your heart. You must choose who's going to be number one in your life. You must choose who has your heart. You, can ha you just can't have two number ones in your life. Is God going to be number one in your life or is a lot, you know, just making a lot of money going to be number one? You cannot serve them both. Number three, don't trust money. Don't waste it, don't love it, and don't trust it for your security. That's what the manager of this story learned real quick. Listen to what he says. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I mean, how many of you here, right, know what it feels like to lose your job, to be out of work? Friends, we, we cannot put our security in things that can be taken away from us. Those of you who, like me, bought a home at the height of the boom here in Fort McMurray, uh, the la average loss from then to now was something like well over $300,000. That's huge. How many of you suffered a loss this past year in your retirement portfolio, portfolio your RRSPs, your investments? Um, for me, the, 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 uh, the loss was, yeah, devastatingly large. So friends, if you want to be really secure, the center of your life has to build around something that can be never taken from you. And there's only one thing that you can never lose, and that's God's unshakable love for you. That's the only true place security is found. It's found in the love of God for us. My life scripture are the words of Solomon. I give this scripture to you over and over. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Solomon says, I love this. Your money can be gone in a flash as if it had grown wings and flown away like an eagle. Isn't that the truth, right? So we trust God. We submit all our ways, including our finances to him, and then he will make our path straight. 
One more thing on the don't list. Don't expect money to satisfy. Multi-millionaire, playboy tycoon Howard Hughes once said, how much money does it take to make a man happy? And Hughes responded, yeah, just a little more. By the way, that's what King Solomon says. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This is truth. That's why Jesus says, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Friends, you will never find satisfaction in money. But you all know this is true. But still, we need to be reminded of this over and over and over again. Okay, let's go beyond the don'ts and look at some things that we should learn from this story. We should learn, number one, it all belongs to God. Now, you've heard that lots before. I already mentioned it in the don't list. But what did we see in this story from Jesus? The owner, that's a picture of God, enlisted a manager. A manager, that's you and me, uh, to take care of his property. This is the simple truth. God has enlisted you and me to take care of his world. It's all his. Everything I have is ultimately his. I am just the manager. It means we're just stewards of what God has given to us. Every paycheck, we're just stewards of what God has blessed us with. And when you stop and actually think about this way that it all belongs to God, it causes you to stop and consider what you're doing with every dollar. It's Joe Sangle who has said uh, here before that we need to know where every dollar is going and I'm going to promote it multiple times, April 29th. You, you want to come out for the Joe Sangle Financial Freedom Experience to figure out how to look after your money. And uh, something else this story teaches us. Number two, God is using money to test me. This is a theme throughout the pages of the Bible, that the extent to which we surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus, the extent to which we submit to his ways is the measure God uses, not just to bless us, but to actually use us for his purposes. God doesn't automatically give his blessings to anybody. God doesn't just give his spiritual power to anybody. He looks for those who act responsibly with what God has given to them. He's looking for people who will steward his gifts well. And one of the measures he uses is how we approach finances. Truth be told, money can show what we love most and what we trust most. Again, listen to the biblical wisdom of Solomon. Trust in money and down you go. Trust in God and flourish as a tree. And that's what Jesus is saying in this story about the dishonest and shrewd minister, uh, but shrewd manager. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Yes, God is looking for those who are trustworthy with his resources. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Jesus says, how I handle money determines how much God can bless my life. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. If you don't like it, take it up with him. Friends, this is mind-blowing when you think about it. There is a connection between maturity and money. There is a connection between spiritual power and how I handle my possessions. There is a direct connection between God's blessing in my life and what I do with my bucks. Let's keep moving. 
A third thing we need to learn from this story is money's a tool. I mean, money is a tool to be used for God's purposes. It's a resource that not only funds our personal lives, and it does that, it's a resource to fund God's kingdom work on earth. Money is neither good nor bad, right nor wrong, it's just here. It can be used to build great churches or it can be used to finance drugs. It's just a tool. Notice what Jesus says in our story. I tell you, use. Use your worldly wealth. When you think about it, the writers of the Bible uh, teach us to, on one hand, love people, but here we see as well to use money. Love people, use money. The problem is we often get it reversed. We love money and we use people. You see that in the work world all the time. Hey, I, I love our Saturday morning men's breakfast, Best Western Taganova, Saturday mornings, 8 a.m. It's awesome. If you're a guy, you should come. Uh, the sad part sometimes is hearing stories about companies, businesses that love money and use people. Friends, it shouldn't be that way. You gotta love people and use money and companies would do well to do that too. Money is a tool to be used for God's purposes. We're to use it. We're not to hoard it or stockpile it. We're, we're not to worship it. I think it was Rick Warren who said money is like manure. If you spread it all around, it makes things grow. But if you pile it up, it starts stinking. Anyways, friends, what Jesus is telling us is simple. Use temporary resources, what God has put in your hands for permanent good. Use temporary resources for permanent good. And hey, the, one of the ways you're able to use money for good is you, you, you look ahead, you make a plan. This dishonest manager, he did this. He says, what am I going to do now? And he comes up with a plan. I know what I'll do. Hey, King Solomon also says, we should make plans, counting on God to direct us. And then this dishonest but shrewd manager, he acted quickly on his plan. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. Friends, this is the very thing that Jesus is commending. Not his dishonesty, but that attitude. That attitude that says, I'm going to think ahead. I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to invest in some relationships so that when I'm you know, tossed out on my rear end, uh, there are going to be people who will take me into their homes. That's smart, thinking ahead, making a plan. Most people have no plan for the future. They're just drifting through life, day by day, just moving on, whatever happens. Jesus says that's not very wise. He says you need to take the long view. Now, when Jesus is talking about the long view, he's not talking about retirement. He's talking about the long view on the other side of death. Are you storing up treasure in heaven? Or are you spending it all here and wasting it all here? Are you storing up treasure in heaven? That's the long range plan. And so what this parable is ultimately teaching is that the best use of my money is to use it uh, to get people into heaven. What does Jesus say? I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, talking about building relationships so that when it is gone, they will welcome you into your eternal dwellings. He's talking about heaven. What he's saying is use your money to build relationships that are going to go on and on for eternity. Use your affluence for good influence. 
He says, when I use my money to help other people meet Jesus, I make friends for eternity and I gain rewards for eternity. There's a lot more that I could say about this parable, but the bottom line in this parable is that we should invest money into helping people meet Jesus, people who we will spend eternity with. So let me shift this to our Thrive campaign. Now, our Thrive campaign is not the only way that we can respond to what Jesus taught in this really interesting story, but it is clearly a way. The bottom line for our campaign is we want each and every one of you to thrive in every way, to learn how to build margin, so that together we can thrive at the mission Jesus has given us. Our mission is to influence more and more people to become devoted followers of Jesus, whose lives will be changed now and forever by Jesus. People who we will get to spend eternity with. And ultimately, this is the goal of Thrive. We want to develop a healthy, thriving church that not only helps our kids and young people come to Jesus, but does help our kids and young people come to Jesus, that helps you and me both grow in our faith, but we also want to be a huge influence on the people in this city, inviting them to do the best thing that they could ever do for their lives, right now and forever, and that's become followers of Jesus. This is what the church is all about. We're asking you to pray and make a faith commitment with your giving. Maybe a scary faith commitment that God is calling you to trust him for. Um, maybe like the story that I told at the beginning here of the, of the person who never given before, but maybe God is calling some of you who haven't given to start giving. All of this is between you and God. But God is calling each of us to trust him to take a, a step in faith and to partner financially with our church in ways that we've never done before. For the sake of our city, because we love the people of our city, we do. Uh, we are for the city. Thrive is for the city. So we're asking you to use either the paper commitment cards that are in the Thrive brochure, and if you don't have one, you can get one from the welcome desk. If you're on our mailing list, you will get another card in the mail. Or you can go online to fortcitychurch.ca and click on the Thrive link and all of the information and in the online card is there. And there are two things we're asking you to do. One is to make a commitment to a one-time sacrificial gift to help your church thrive. That one-time gift will help us fund both parking lot and landscaping upgrades required by the municipality, as well as build up a reserve for emergency repairs and equipment replacement. Over the course of this next year, we are looking for 55000 for this. And the good news is, you have already given 17000 towards this just through Thrive so far. That's awesome. That's 30% towards that goal. That is a great start. But would you prayerfully consider making a one-time special donation to Thrive? You can use the Thrive line in your online giving and mark the, or if you're giving it another way, just mark the gift Thrive. And secondly, would you make a commitment to increasing your regular giving to our general fund by a percentage of your income? The commitment card shows what a percentage could look like so that you can give us a dollar figure. Why give us a dollar figure? So that we can have some idea how to budget. It's kind of bold, but we're asking you to consider raising your giving by a percentage of your income. And some of you have already started to do that. Giving to the general fund is moving in the right direction. It's considerably stronger so far in March than it's been in the previous 12 months. So we're encouraged. A couple of weeks ago, I told you that God had spoken to me to take a step of faith and to increase my giving by 2.5% of my income. 
And I think God would have me challenge you to consider whether God would call you to start giving or increase your giving by 2.5%. It's just a challenge. You just do what you sense God is calling you to do. And maybe there are some of you who could do 2.5%. Maybe some of you could do more. And why are we asking you to fill in a commitment card online uh, or uh, have a paper one brought to our offering next week? Why a card when so many of you are uncomfortable with it? Well, that's why. Because you're uncomfortable with it. I believe a card will help you really nail down that commitment. It will help you actually make a, a commitment to partner financially with your church. And to be honest, it will also help us as we budget for this next year. As you know, we're looking to grow our general fund to over 600000 a year over the course of this next year to where it was before the pandemic hit. And that's 85000 more than you gave last year. You know, this is doable if we all listen for God and trust him to truly partner with your church so that we can shine brightly for Jesus in this city. It would be so awesome if you all did something, however small or great. Whatever first step you sense you can take, please take that step. Okay, you've now heard four messages on how God views our finances. At the end of April, we want to help you with uh, personal finances and budgeting with the Joe Sangle Financial Freedom Experience. You need to sign up for that as soon as that's available. But right now, the first thing we're asking you to do is to take a step of faith, to prayerfully wrestle with God about making two faith commitments to your church, a one-time gift and an increase in your general fund giving. Take a step of faith where you give first and you trust God to live on the rest even as God empowers you to build margin. Friends, our God is at work here. It is awesome that we're moving back to pre-pandemic attendance numbers. That's not happening at all churches. I talked with two pastors this week where that is not happening. One church was still down 40% and another church 25%. They're all really good churches doing good work. And I don't say that to boast, just to be thankful to God for choosing to bless us. We have some baptisms coming on Easter. You got to come out for Easter, invite friends. And then we have some more baptisms after Easter, where the stories of God at work are going to bless you. All I'm saying is we are a blessed church. God is at work. Lives are being changed here every week. And yes, God is inviting you to strengthen this church as we seek to bring Jesus to more and more kids, youth, and folk all throughout our city. So now, will you join me for a time of prayer? And today, just let me pray for you. Father God, as we wrestle with what for many of us is such uncomfortable teaching, help us to better understand that you are for us and you desire that we thrive in every area of our lives, including our finances. So help us to trust you when we find it so difficult. And God, I, I pray that each of us would hear your call to partner with your church in some way, financial or by serving or by giving of our time, our talents or resources, so that the blessing you've poured out on us can come through us to our city. Call us to be faithful in every way. And would you allow us to see you tangibly empower our faithfulness as you move powerfully in our lives and through this church family across our city. Show your power, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.